0: welcome to wednesday night service Uh, things are changing quickly Um, of course this isn't the norm but uh it is for today so let's open with prayer dear heavenly father i just thank you i thank you for the opportunity to get together uh, virtually to uh, worship you to uh, learn about your word um, your love for us Learn how to be the church that you have called us to be, Lord. We just pray that you would anoint this service. I pray that your peace would surround every person in their homes, Lord, and I pray that your words would be spoken tonight, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, somebody said uh, recently that uh, for the first time they can't go to church. Uh, Someone else said, well, because of the coronavirus, We don't have church until the 18th. And to say there is no church till April 18th or whatever date they end up letting us out really isn't true. Um, There is no corporate gathering in the church building, but that is so much different than the church because the church has never been just the service. Uh, It's interesting how we often feel more alone, more isolated than we really are. Uh, Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, was fleeing from Jezebel, and he went into the desert, and he cried out to God, and he said, I am the very last one. And God responded in verse 18 of chapter 19. He said, no, I have 7,000 just in Israel who have not bowed their knee to Baal." And it is from God's perspective, when he looks down at the church, even when we're not together, he sees the whole church. Elijah was just looking around himself saying, I don't see anybody else, but they're there. And when God looks down at his church, he doesn't see the divisions between our walls, the divisions between uh, our denominations. He just sees, hey, This is my church. These are the thousands upon thousands of people who are my church. So today, I want to look at what the Bible says it means to be the church. Uh, We can't go to church, but today we're going to talk about being the church. Mark chapter 2 verse 18 says, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. In this verse, Jesus calls himself the bridegroom. In other words, just the groom. And then we see that in scripture, the the church is referred to as the bride. The first picture that I want to talk about, about the church today, is that of the groom and bride. We are the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5:25 says, "Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless." In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. Just like a person is intuitively uh, motivated to protect themselves, to feed themselves. If, If you're in a quarantine right now with your kids, they are intuitively motivated to seek food. Um, every few minutes, the kids are like, oh, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I need a snack. It's, it's a natural thing that we provide for ourselves, that we uh, take care of our bodies. And Jesus, the Bible says, has that same tendency towards the church. He loves the church. He cares for the church. He feeds the church as his own body. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. So on one hand, he talks about uh, a marriage, a couple, the bride and the groom. And then he says, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Again, he says, it may sound like I'm talking about a regular romance, but I want you to understand that your relationship with God, the church's relationship with God, is like a divine romance. Revelations chapter 21, verse 9, Revelations chapter 22, verse 17, all of those scriptures talk about the church as being the bride of Christ. That means that we are the objects of his love, and we are are to love Him. So when we think about what does it look like to be the church, part of being the church is to be in a romance with God Himself. And I looked into our neighborhood. Um, my family tends to be on the active side, and we go to parks and we go to uh, trail systems on a regular basis. Ironically, I've never seen them so full, and uh, I look, and in our neighborhood, it's not just those two or three joggers who are out, but it's entire families who are going and, and, and walking around together, and I can't help but smile as I see these families spending time together. So what do we do with this extra time? And one, one good thing is to spend that time with our family. But the other thing that we need to not forget, another part that is being the body of Christ, being the bride of Christ, better said, is that we should be taking time with him. Remembering that as the church, we are in a romance with him. So how do we spend time with God? One of the things that we do is read the word. My internal clock is still on work time. I don't have to be at the office as, usu- as early as usual. I don't have to bring the kids uh, to, the- to school as early as usual, but I'm still waking up at 6.30 every morning and staring at the ceiling. So I get up, I go downstairs, and I spend some time in the Word. I get to have a little bit of time with God. Spend time in prayer. Seek his will. Look to know what it is that God desires for you as a family, as a person. Psalms chapter 46 10 says, be still and know that I am God. What better time than now when when all of the busyness, and not all, I understand, some of us still have to report to work. Our jobs are 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 not quarantined proof. They're essential work. But when a lot of the opportunities to go out and spend uh, our time at the mall and at the movies and everywhere else is taken away, we can stop and, like Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. This is something that we intend to do during a praise and worship service, during a regular church service, during the music time. That is one of the reasons why corporately we get together and then we sing. It's because we want to speak to God as a body. And it is wonderful when we can do that as a corporate body. But when we're at home, how do we continue to be the church? We've set aside time when we say, God, I am going to speak to you in my home, in my car. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 one of my all-time favorite sections of scripture, Paul is, is talking to a group of people who don't know who God is. And he says, I am explaining to you the unknown God. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as, he needed, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times and histories and the boundaries of their land. This is the part I like. God did this so that. What's the this he did? He made the entire world. He made humanity out of Adam and Eve. He did all of that so that. Here's what it is. So that they, who's they? That's us. That's humanity, would seek the number one purpose of the church, of you and I, is that we were created to seek him. Now, scripture says he made us, not because he needed us. He says he doesn't need to be served by human hands. He desires to be sought by human hearts. That's what he desires. And that is a huge part and a foundation of being the church. We are to be conscious of his love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. I'm going to read that again. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. One of our roles in being the church is to express our love to God and then to be conscious of his love for us. The church has always been more than a location. John chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's about to leave. And this is what he says to them. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think it's interesting. Jesus is preparing the disciples for a change in what church looks like. Most of us, church has looked the same most of our lives. And if we didn't have a a good understanding of what church was, we didn't perhaps realize that we were the church everywhere we went. We may have had a poor understanding thinking that church is something I went to on Sunday, not something I am all week long. And the disciples, for them, church had been time with Jesus. Like literally, Church consisted of following him around, being there when he shared in the synagogue, being there when he shared on the shore, when he went out in a boat and shared back, and when he did the miracles and had the breads and the loaves and and, uh, and the fishes and all of that. That was church. And then he says, oh, by the way, that's all going to change because I'm going to be gone. But don't worry. It's not about the meetings you had with me, people will know you, and you'll know that they will know you're my disciples, not because you're physically with me, as you have been all this time, but they will know you because you love one another. Jesus says that the church will be known by our love. They were about to go through a change. We are experiencing a change. We're accustomed to church service. Now we have an opportunity to focus on the other aspect of what it means to be the church. 1 John chapter 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. It's important, I think, to realize that we don't behave like the church out of our own strength. We don't behave out of in love because Christians have super willpower. No, we love because we were first loved. We love because we have been given love that now we have to turn around and give away. The Bible says, freely you received, so freely give. The Bible says, forgive because you are forgiven. You see, The love that we have as a church is a supernatural transference of the love that we've received. That's what makes it so unique. It's not, the church isn't made up of a bunch of people with super willpower. It's a bunch of people who have downloaded the love that God gave them, and therefore they transmit it when they turn around and go elsewhere. Why did I start talking about being the church with our relationship directly with God and not straight to, to helping the needy and whatnot, because if we're trying to help the needy out of our own power, it's not going to last. But when we are the church out of the abundance of the love that we have just received from God, that's when the world will see a difference. It is countercultural. It was countercultural at that time, so much so to love those who were were persecuting you and to to be kind to those who were of different ethnicities or different groups than you are. It was countercultural then. And, you know, it's countercultural today to be kind to those who are of a different political opinion than you or uh, from a different background than yourself. The Bible says we'll be known not by the cross on our building, doesn't say we'll be known by the fish sticker on our car, Um, not by the size or the location of our meetings, but by the love that we share. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in a habit of doing." but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the New King James, or the King James Version, this this verse is pretty famous. It says, forsake not the gathering together of the saints. And this is one of the very clear scriptures that talks about the, the value and the necessity of gathering when there isn't a pandemic going around together to meet. But it's interesting the context there. What does it say the purpose, or at least one of the purposes, of getting together is? Back to verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. All right. So if you're sitting there in your living room, if you're on your phone, this is the time I want you to engage. One of the purposes of the church is to encourage each other, each other, that is the other church members, toward love And good deeds. I want you to encourage each other right from where you are. Here's what I'd like. Give us an idea or an example. It can be an idea that you've never done but think would be a good idea, or it can be an example of something you've already done, or it can be an example of something you've seen someone do. But put in the comments there an example of a good deed or a way to express love. An example that comes to my mind would be writing letters to nursing homes. We know right now most nursing homes are prohibiting their uh, residents from receiving the visitors that normally would come. And there are people in nursing homes who often get very few visitors, but now even more so as they try to make sure that that entire population stays safe and free from the virus. Send notes. Call your local nursing home. Ask if they have an email. If you don't want to contaminate a paper and send it in, say, "Hey, can I?" What would be an email address that I can send some some encouraging notes? And I'll have my kids draw some pictures, and I'll take some pictures of it, and I'll send it out to you. Um, or another thing, uh, the neighborhood that that we lived in um, just previously did a, a deal where they're they're cooperating within the entire neighborhood to make the neighborhood an interesting place for all the families and their young kids walking around and they've got a facebook group and they're putting out pictures of of different animals so that the kids as they go around can look for christmas trees in one day and stars in another day and and animals and they're decorating the sidewalks so that the kids have something new to see on their walk there are so many different ideas i want to encourage you go to the the comments put a like next to other people's ideas get in there let's scripturally do what Hebrews 10:24 says to do. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That is something we can do right now from where we are. I really want to encourage you, take advantage of that. Go ahead and do that. Another thing that the church describes or the Bible describes the church as is that we are the branches and he is the vine. John chapter 15 verse 5 says Jesus speaking, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. So he says, you're the branches, I'm the vine. I am the source, you are the branches, but where is the fruit? The fruit is on the branches. And he says, you will remain in me, and you... Not he, you, will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you'll do nothing. That is, my fruit is dependent on my connection to God as the source. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 and 17 says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit. When Jesus is our source, his love makes its way into our fruit and our actions. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says, I pray that out of the glor- his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Where does our strength come from? It doesn't come from our willpower. It says he will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, where 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 does our power come from? It comes from our being rooted in God's love. Conscious. We can't give what we haven't received. So as 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 the church, we need to Take time during this time. Don't try to give without filling. Fill yourself with God's love. Fill yourself with the word. Get online. Watch this service. Watch another service. It's okay to visit another church's online platform. It's not not a competition. Go out there. Get filled with God's word. And then from that filling overflow to others that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ and to know that his love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church. There's the church. All that, it's that we get rooted in Him. We get filled with His love. And then He empowers us through His Holy Spirit to be loving to each other, to encourage each other in love and good deeds through, in, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen. Man, it's it's not. Being the church isn't a discipline of willing yourself to constantly do what you don't want to do. No, it's about being rooted in Christ. And as we fill ourselves, then we begin to have that fruit. We begin to overflow with that. And it, the Bible says, it's not what I can imagine. It's beyond what I can imagine. It's, it's what he can do. Galatians chapter 5. What does the fruit look like? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me read that again. It's love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is another word for patience. (sighs) With all the schools let out, how many of us could use an extra dose of patience? It's funny. One of my favorite things in this whole time has been just the the humor that has come through on platforms like Facebook and Instagram with the different memes about the funny things that are going on. And I chuckle, but I notice that there's a lot about our lack of patience. And I want to say, God has offered to be a source of patience for you. So plug in, get that time before the kids wake up or after the kids go to sleep or whenever it is, lock yourself in a closet in the middle of the day if you need to. Whatever is appropriate for your situation, get plugged in and draw from God. There are so many different uh, examples of things that, that happen. I've heard different stories of people doing, well, let me one, close with this. It says, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says, against such things there is no law. (laughs) There is no law against those things. Right now, um, what we can and can't do just seems so up in the air. But the Bible reminds us that there is no law against the fruits of the Spirit. We can do things. Find ways, while staying six feet apart, to be a blessing to your neighbors, to your neighborhood, to your family. Uh, I've heard examples, uh, uh, a retired baker in in a friend of my wife's uh, um, community in their neighborhood just started baking bread in his house. And he'd stick it out on his porch and told his neighbors, come and get it. some people, that might mean giving an extra big tip when you go to a takeout restaurant that's just trying to make ends meet during these new uh, rules. Offering uh, to help get the, the, the things legally you're able to go get for, for the neighbor who's afraid to go out because they recognize due to their age or their medical condition that they can't. Uh, the Bible says that we the church... Are his body Romans chapter 12 says for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have all have the same function so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to grace given to each of us if your gift is prophesying then prophecy in accordance with your faith if it is serving then serve if it is teaching then teach if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show merciful, mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. So that might be us right now. We are impatient and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality from six feet away, according to the order right now. But it's interesting to me. The Bible talks about how we're all given different gifts. And when we think about the gifts, prophecy, teaching comes to mind. But I love that the list... Is so more ordinary. Prophecy, you know, teaching you teaching, you think of it in, in this setting, but you're called to teach your kids. Man, we have a lot of really good teaching moments and opportunities in this time to teach kids principles about our priorities as people, as families, and and our need to be thinking of others and being patient and we have examples all around us both good and bad serving i love that encouraging is considered one of those gifts it's not just the clergy at church god has called each one of us we are we the church are his body we are not called to simply be tossed around in the waves but we are called to calm the storm. I just want to encourage you, let's be the church. God longs for personal relationship with us, and as we reach out towards Him, the Bible says, as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. And He describes that His Spirit will empower us to show love and the fruits of the Spirit to others And as we are rooted in love, then we are charged like a cell phone at night to then go out and proclaim and be an example of love in our own family as well as our neighborhood and beyond. If you're watching today, I want to thank you so much. And I want to say... If you know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you know that you've been forgiven, that's awesome. But if you're listening and you say, I don't know that, I hope that, but I don't know that. The Bible tells us, know that you have salvation. We can know that. So I want to encourage you, know that you have salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross, and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates you from God. I want to encourage you to take a moment with me and just repeat this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and that he rose from the dead. I accept your forgiveness of sin, and I ask that you would live in my heart and that I give me the strength to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.